The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'm going to disturb the delicious silence that's been created here this morning. Good morning. So um, I just had a few things that I wanted to um, say as we finish up our morning here. And the first thing is um, I just want to acknowledge how nice it is to spend a morning with people um, who are practicing like this. It's really a special thing if you think about uh, what most people are doing with their morning. Not that people aren't doing important things, but to have the opportunity to come together like this is wonderful. So whether you had two and a half hours of absolutely perfect and blissful meditation, or two and a half minutes, or two and a half seconds, uh, just acknowledge yourself for having shown up and, um, you know, incline the mind in that direction. It's a beautiful thing to do. So um, when we practice like this, um, or when we, however we practice, it's really helpful for us to have uh, a strong motivation or to be motivated to to know why we practice what our intention is and to recognize that we can find a kind of refuge in simply being with things as they really are, perceiving things um, simply the way that they are, which isn't always an easy thing to do because we so want things to be the way we want them to be. So when we begin to do that, we see that sort of the baseline of all phenomenal experience that we have, whether it's in the material realm or in in the mental realm, that the baseline sort of experience is that there's a quality of stress, a quality of dukkha that's that's there. So whether we're dealing with uh, an obnoxious neighbor or uh, a difficult situation at work or a relationship that we have, or simply a disappointment that we run into. There's different levels of this dukkha that we encounter. And um, this isn't easy for us to accept when we uh, say for an untrained mind, it's not easy to be with the truth of the fact that dukkha is so so much a part of the experience of our lives. Um, And people tend to to, we tend to, um, you know, drive ourselves crazy, make ourselves busy trying to um, sort of avoid it, get away from it, um, shield ourselves from it. But uh, in in Buddhism, in the Buddhist practice that we're doing here, um, the Buddha actually teaches us that that isn't the way to deal with this situation. The way to deal with it is to actually turn towards it and uh, sort of turn into it. And the direct experience 
of that rather than avoiding it to actually see that we begin to build a capacity to be with that truth of our experience in a way that brings us to a place where we can be with more than just the experience of the dukkha. So it, it's, <clears throat> it's a little bit like um, when we have something that's really bothering us, uh, causing us some sort of stress and tension, uh, when we look deeply and we can quiet ourselves down enough, stabilize our mind enough, we can see that the dukkha is present, that whatever it is that's causing us distress is present, but there's something more that's there. It might be described as a quality of spaciousness, a quality of release. This is, this is an aspect of compassion, but whether we're, we're you know, going in that direction or not, what we begin to see is that um, we never get just one thing or another. Life is never just black or white. It's always, it's always a both-and situation. So when we're suffering or when we're experiencing this quality of suffering, we can also experience this quality of spaciousness and of meeting and letting go of that which is causing us to suffer. So <clears throat> that all sounds great, but how do you do it? So the Buddha gives us this path. And um, the way things are, he tells us, is that there's three characteristics in our life um, that if, when we begin to notice, we'll notice that these things are present, that there is this quality of unsatisfactoriness, which is called dukkha or stress. We could just call it stress. There's this quality that things change all the time. We'll call that, or it's called uh, impermanence, or the Pali word is anicca. And then the third, third thing is that wherever we look, we can't find a permanent abiding self. And any one of those things could be a series of talks in themselves. But basically, this is the way things are. This is what is meant in Buddhism when we say the way things are. Anicca, dukkha, and anatta. This is it. You examine your experience and you will find that. But the way we want things to be is completely different than the way things are. So you could, you could describe it this way. The way I want things to be, if I only had that new BMW, I'd be happy. If I could only get rid <coughs> of something that I really don't like, then I would be happy. If things were like this instead of like that, I would be happy. If I were 
different than I actually am, I would be happy. I would be happy if fill in the blank. This is the way most of us live our lives. This isn't necessarily a criticism, it's just an observation. So, um, <clears throat> so we see that there's, there's like a, a disconnect between the way things are and the way things we want, the way we want them to be. And um, sometimes we can experience, because I'm assuming that you're all fairly, fairly experienced meditators here and practitioners, and sometimes we can experience in our lives um, um, a time or a place where everything that we have learned and all the practices that we have taken up and so diligently cultivated, simply, they just don't work anymore. Nothing works anymore. And it's as though everything that you've built your life on is slipping away. I, I sort of feel like uh, I'm sinking into the into the ocean or something, Mama Ocean. I'm, she's swallowing me up. And, and then how do, you, how do you bring yourself back? How do you recenter yourself? How do you find grounding? How do you not just abandon everything that you have been cultivating in terms of, of your practice in your life? Have any of you ever felt like this? Or am I? Yes? I, I see some nods. So, so the practices that the Buddha gives us are, are contained in the, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And I'll just very briefly mention what those things are. So uh, right view is the first path factor. And right view basically means that we see the truth of things. We see dukkha. We see that clinging causes dukkha. We see that releasing dukkha leads to liberation. And we see that there's a path that leads to liberation. In other words, the Four Noble Truths are what right view actually is. And then right intention is the second Factor, and that's the intention to get rid of sense desires, to get rid of ill will, and to not harm other beings. This is right intention, to not do harm. Uh, <clears throat> the next uh, factor is right speech, which is basically uh, not to lie, not to you know gossip and create ill will and, and disharmony amongst people, not to just, you know, waste your time uh, with stupid conversation. Right action is the next factor, uh, which is to not kill, to not steal, and to not um, engage in the misuse of our sexuality. And then the next factor is our, the next, uh, yeah, is uh, right livelihood, which is classically not to deal in uh, 
weapons or human trafficking or uh, uh, slaughtering of animals or um, intoxicants or poisons. The next one is right effort, which is basically to uh, avoid things that are unwholesome, to abandon things that have already arisen that are unwholesome, to cultivate things that gladden and nourish the mind, and, uh, and then to, to uh, uh, nourish and maintain those things. Right mindfulness is the uh, seventh factor, which is uh, mindfulness of body, feeling tones, minds, the awareness of hindrances, uh, in the mind, the uh, enlightenment factors arising. This would be right mindfulness, right concentration is establishing a stability of mind that allows us to see all of these things. So all of those things get wrapped into the way we meet any single moment of suffering in our lives and the way that we deal with any single moment of suffering. And in the moment, we don't go through a list like I just went through. It's good to know that list because it's good to be able to re- reconnect with that and to help us to make sense of what we're, we're actually doing. But <clears throat> to simply accept things the way they are requires not just a quality of wisdom, but a quality of faith. So faith allows us to recognize the refuge that comes from simply being with things when we feel like Mama Ocean is swallowing us up and to not let doubt come in and wash us away. Make sense? Yes? Yes? Okay. I, I tried to give a, th- <laughs> a long talk in 15 minutes, but the, the main points of what I'm saying is that in our lives we meet in every moment this quality where we want things to be other than they are. And if we can simply accept the way things are, which requires some skills and um, methods to reground ourselves, but also a tremendous faith that this will lead us to a place that allows us to be with things without needing to fix them or with accepting that sometimes they can't be fixed. And this is an act of wisdom, and this is also an act of supreme compassion. So those are my thoughts for this morning.